Welcome to OreoOlive.com. As you know, Oreo Olives don't mix, but the abstract thought of putting those two words together has enlightened me to create a channel to discuss various topics. Like, listen, and subscribe to OreoOlive.com. Stay tuned to our site and podcast so you can keep up with the greatest and latest content. So today, what I want to do is I want to analyze the state of the black family when it comes to access to wealth and when it becomes a real conversation at the dinner table. Now, the way that society oftentimes see you in public will determine what doors will open for you in the near future. So that's why they always say when you're outside and you're going into public to always put your best foot forward, always make sure that you look your best, always make sure you're speaking your best, always make sure that you are doing the right things so opportunities can land right before you. Now, if this is your first time uh, listening to the channel, hopefully you will like the content. So make sure you click like, listen, subscribe so that we can continue to bring these discussions to you. Now, what made me decide to bring this conversation up is I was having a talk with a few of my friends and we always talk about scholarship and we always talk about education and financial literacy and just a range of different topics around finance and the family and one of the things that i was trying to figure out this evening is how i would bring this conversation to you and we all know why we're in the state of the financial literacy or what's we are we already know why we're at the current stage where we are in financial literacy but i want to dive a little bit deeper and expound on a few points that i think that could be beneficial to us because if we understand where we're coming from we can understand that where we're headed and so one of the first things that i was thinking of is you know where does financial education come from? And that question, even though it may seem very broad, is actually very specific. Because if we can understand where the financial education comes from, then we can understand where we can point that type of conversation going forward as we go from generation to generation within our family. So one thing you have to keep in mind is financial literacy from what I um, think is that it most definitely comes before you're actually born. So let me put this into perspective for you. So I want you to think back, starting from yourself, and think back to your, your uh, parents, your mother and your father. And what I want you to do is kind of keep going back and maybe go to your grandparents and your great-grandparents and just think about how did your parents plan your path to financial literacy? Because when you often look at times at families that are very wealthy, you can more than likely count the number of generations that that wealth has bounced from one generation to the next generation to the next generation to continue on that family legacy. But oftentimes in our community, it may not always go that many generations back. And so we have to make a decision to decide, 
Are we going to be the ones that are going to make that sacrifice so our children and their children down the line will be able to not only be financially educated, but also apply the application into creating wealth? Now, what I want you to look at is what do you learn between the ages of five to 18? Oftentimes, we learn a wealth of different things. We find ourselves, we learn how to read, we learn how to write, um, we learn how to ride bikes. We learn a wealth of things that could help us go through society. Now, what we don't necessarily learn, in my, in my opinion, and I'm looking at it from my perspective growing up and just in what I have actually just seen with my own eyes is oftentimes in our community, we don't learn much of anything about financial literacy other than probably opening up a bank account. I mean, you maybe get a odd job here and there at a fast food restaurant, especially if your town is small, but there's no conversation like that around financial literacy. And I, and I am willing to bet that majority of the people in our community don't necessarily have that conversation in terms of growing wealth and that path for financial success. I'm very willing to bet that the conversations between five to 18 or the years of five to 18 are not about financial literacy, but pretty much of probably making money and most definitely spending it. So what I want to do is when you keep that perspective in mind between five to 18, you're talking about the time for you're, you know, in kindergarten, growing all the way through high school and think about the things that you've bought. Think about deep in your head, how many people have told me about financial literacy during that time. Now you fast forward, you look between the ages of 19 and 22, and this is the time when you're probably in college. You're just finding yourself. If you decide to go to college in the military or whatever, you're beginning to find yourself. You're beginning to find what you like and dislike and what you probably would spend my money on and everything. And you're pretty much thinking, okay, hey, I just got out of the house. Let me see what I can get into. Uh, let me have some fun. Let me live life to the fullest. And even during that stage, you might run across a friend that may give you an little bit of an insight just to a peek hole of what financial education is definitely about. Now, by the time you're around 22, when you turn 23, it seems as if your eyes may start to kind of open as if you're waking up from a deep sleep. You know that you're back to the real world, but you don't quite know where you are just yet. You're still beginning to find yourself beyond that point. And it's almost to the age of 30 within our community that we realize what's good debt, what's bad debt, and what makes sense. And sometimes we're even still in the continuous loop of just buying things and not necessarily working on assets or having that conversation about financial literacy. And it's not until you run into that one person later on down the line that you see and you wonder, how did this person make it to this state? While that person oftentimes may be non-black, it's very rare at times, too, that you will find someone that is 
black that will that not only have made it but is able to probably share that information with you so you have to ask yourself you know am i presenting myself a way out in the public eye in which somebody will have that conversation with you because oftentimes that you will find is people will provide certain types of conversation to you based on how you are dressed so if you are dressed pretty much professional they're going to have those intellectual conversations with you and those conversations are going to spark up but when you're not dressed to impress and i'm not saying you have the word tuxedo or a suit or anything but when you looking at that you have to think about you know what at what point would someone want to share those kind of conversations with you because when it comes to money two things a couple things especially here in the united states is people people only brag about money when they are probably making over six figures a year anytime people are making less than six figures a year they're not going to really get too exact on the amount of money that they're probably making but it's it's almost like this six point old range i mean that's the point but that six figure range is where people really start to maybe try to give you that information so when you think about it what is the earliest conversation that you can remember about finance because when i think thought about this i thought about you know i remember having i remember when i was younger you know and i was cutting you know grass for neighbors and things like that i remember getting a bank account it's saving the little bit of money that I made, you know, just for doing the odd jobs and stuff. But it wasn't a conversation about investment or making that money work. It was about saving. And it's not until I got older where I had my uncle, my one uncle, who I just thought was very like financially sound, which he was. And he provided me with so much wealth of information and educated me early on in college so that by the time when i got out of college i was able to um, not only become an adult but also to find my way um, to success in terms of um, work and also in terms of just making the first purchase for our home so when you don't have that financial education up front oftentimes you're not setting yourself up to be able to make those major purchases like that. Say, for instance, if you want to go out and you want to get a new car and, you know, if you don't have a credit established, you're going to have to have somebody to co-sign on that. So don't you want to be able to go out and purchase that new home or that condo or the house on your own and be financially sound and have the great score and all that? And oftentimes we don't have those conversations early on. So when you're thinking about this, think about the key things that you learned from the game of Monopoly. Most of us have actually played that game so many times and everybody always wants the same two spots. Everybody always wants Boardwalk and Park Place. Nobody wants any other places on the board. And then you look at the two brown properties that's close to the Go a symbol on the board, nobody wants to buy those properties. But what you have to do is, you, is sometimes we look up and we see what somebody lives in something nice and we automatically think this is where I have to get to give the appearance of being wealthy. So by the time the people go around to buy that monopoly or go around and buy Park Place and buy Boardwalk, they bought the property 
but they oftentimes couldn't afford to put the houses on the property because it cost so much. And then they're spending time lending on everybody else's property for the person that prepared and bought that property a little bit past go. They bought the little property here, a little property there. So the person who owned the most ends up lending on their properties and they're paying more out of pocket. So then they're forced to do what? They're forced to sell their boardwalk and park place in order to meet the debt. But the other person over here has accumulated property and started putting houses on it. So what my friends and I have learned playing the game Monopolies, it turns into almost like three to four hours of playing because we're having so much fun because everybody now tries to get a whole side of the board of owning multiple pieces of, of real estate. So when you're thinking about that, Consider the fact of once you start to go through some things and life really hits you, then you're going to start to learn, you're going to start to educate yourself. And so it seems like all we know is how to consume, but not necessarily produce. Now, oftentimes we will have, and you will see a nice car, nice clothes, but I always ask, how does the house look? Because I remember I was going through a really nice neighborhood and the houses were very nice houses, uh, four or $500,000 houses. And what I noticed is the houses were nice, the yards were manicured and they were really nice and neat. And the cars were paid for. They were, you know, later model uh, vehicles, probably had more than 100,000 miles on it. They still worked. And the person did not necessarily have a typical vehicle, you know, Mercedes, Porsche, BMW, Jaguar, and so forth. And then what I will find is I've been traveling across the U.S. is oftentimes what I will find is going into other parts of the town or city. And even at work and sometimes seeing the really expensive cars, but the houses were not um were not you know as fabulous as what i've seen in the previous neighborhoods and this spans you know across you know multiple different um races and, and ethnicities um of people and so you have to ask yourself you know where where does the education come from why do we purchase you know vehicles versus purchasing assets why do you purchase vehicles versus purchasing land like i those are the kind of things that i want to really look deeper into and i'm thinking about doing another episode on this because i really 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 want to dive down deeper into this conversation because it's it's more than just what you see at face value so you will have oftentimes expensive car cheap home Sometimes you have a really nice home and a cheaper car. Car will be paid for. Then oftentimes you will see, you know, especially within our community, you know, nice uh, clothes and with a lot of accessories. But we also need to look at that the number of times that the amount of money bounce within our community itself. Because for the amount that Oftentimes that I would think that we would spend on, let's say, uh, shoes or clothes. You know, I know everybody wants to look nice, but oftentimes the money that we would spend on the clothes and shoes, you know, could that money be invested towards real estate, 
and you know setting the foundation for the generations that's going to be coming behind you and the generations coming behind you and, and what i'm referring to is most definitely your family your immediate fa family uh first now as of 2022 uh, you know i really want to know how we can increase our stake in financial education because we have to figure out what is it that we're doing wrong right now that we can correct and how can we set ourselves up for success a little bit later down on the, on, in, in the line? Because it's more than just reading the books and reading the knowledge of it, but actually applying it. Then I want you to look at it from another perspective. I want you to think about how important that your image is to you versus what your financial image to people uh, were, uh, financial image that the people can't see. And what I mean by that is oftentimes we will put on the show and have, you know, the nice uh, car and uh, the nice house sometimes too, and nice clothes and everything's great externally, but internally within our mind and within our bank account, we will, we, we don't necessarily have that financial backing if something happened, we could lose everything. And so there are two people that I want you to check out um, on YouTube. They provide a lot of great information. One in particular is this Mr. Um, Richard Fain, and he talks a lot about the financial education sector, and that's his uh, specialty. I've listened to um, many of his YouTube videos, and his videos make logical sense. And he did a video kind of... Um, he did a, a video just like this one, and he really goes into great detail in going back in history, through history of why we're in the state that we're in, modern day, and then what, what we can do in the future in order to um, provide ourselves with with more, um, you know, information, becoming more financial literate. So uh, what we can do uh, that I want you to take away from this and just think about this and definitely let me know what you think and how you feel about it. But what are some things that you believe that we can do collectively to push education um, of financial literacy to put ourselves on a better path to success? to say thank you so much for stopping by oreoolive.com and listening to our channel and our diverse topics that we talk about on this platform and everything but please like listen and subscribe so you can get the latest and greatest content